and welcome to Soberholic Podcast. This show is designed to address topics that will encourage, equip, and inspire you to explore life's most difficult topics and overcome your biggest challenges. Today, your hosts, Roger and Jason, will share from their own experience how you can find hope and healing in recovery. Welcome to Soberholic Podcast. We're back again with another show for you guys, and we have another guest. We love having guests here. We have Jonathan S. here, and you're going to hear his awesome story of recovery today. So we're going to jump right in it, and Roger's here with us too. And um, so we're going to jump right in it. So, Jonathan, how's it going? Hey, man, doing all right. You guys? Very good. Couldn't be better. Not today, anyway. <laughs> right. Trying to survive this coronavirus. Not yeah. today, man. It's been crazy. <laughs> yeah, hopefully there's going to be an end to it at some point. Possibly. It's Possibly changing. It, it's, when you see 12-step meetings shutting down, that's when you know something's up. Oh, without a doubt. You know, because uh, it's like... Or churches, for that matter. And churches, Absolutely. everything's shutting when down. When things are shutting doors, there's a problem. Right. But God's bigger than any of these problems, right? That's right. Yeah. So, Jonathan, start us off with your story. Every story has a, has a beginning and, and has an ending. So start us at the beginning. What was, what what led you? What was your life like? What led you into recovery? Well, uh, first, um grateful to be here, guys. I really do appreciate the uh, invitation. Um so long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> I like that. That's uh, the best intro ever. It is. <laughs> um, so I was born in a, um, a small town in North Alabama, and um, I was actually adopted. And from birth, um, upper middle class family, um, life was good growing up. I had an older brother. Um, parents seemed to get along okay. Um you know, like a normal child, I guess. And, um, my, but my parents got divorced when I was eight. And, uh, that was, was really, um, traumatic for me. Uh, we were always at, at church, went to a small church. Uh, we were there all the time, very involved, uh, did all the plays growing up and whatnot. And, um, so at eight, when my parents got a divorce, I started learning that my mother was psychiatrically ill. And um, she actually told the church and my school, for that matter, that my father had sexually molested me. And um, that was, uh, that never happened. Um, wow. Ever. What What happened was, is that from about age six or whatnot, after my brother moved out, I moved into his room and I started having these recurrent nightmares and I would wake up screaming in the middle of the night and uh, my mother would never come and take care of me. My, my dad did and he, he would get in bed with me and he would literally hold me so tightly until I fell back asleep. I would quit shaking and crying mm-hmm. and fell back asleep. And um, that was the only comfort I got. And... So when they divorced, she told the church that those instances in which he was caring for me, he was actually molesting me. And, um, uh, again, never happened. Um, so we stopped going to church because when I would go to that church, I would, I would see people that, uh, were parental figures and, and people that I considered family and, 
I was I was a very hyperactive kid, so it was like you know an hour of service would take an hour and forty minutes. By the time I got done hugging every single person, <laughs> yeah, you know? oh, yeah. And so uh, I would, but I was so I would run up to these people and try to give them a hug, and they would kind of push me away. They they didn't want to have anything to do with me. I guess I was damaged goods, or they didn't know how to react, or or, or what. So uh, we left, and um, I've I've told it before. It was kind of like this this black hole kind of developed where where I um. Uh, felt that God had left me. Um, mm. You know, if you're not safe at church, where are you safe? Mm-hmm. So um, I either got very angry with him or quit believing in him. I'm not sure which came first. Um, but uh, this is kind of this infinite sadness. And um, at 13, I was a freshman in high school. I was born in September, so had the, that late birthday. But I uh, ended up over at a friend's house with some other people and Somebody got into the Jack Daniels that her father had mm. and one sip, man. And, um, that was all she wrote. It was, it was like this, um, uh, you know, I can imagine like this, this thunder blanket that you put on pets yeah. storming. Yeah. Just this warm feeling. I had not felt warm in years and, um, you know, that, that was it. That was it. I, I drank alcoholically from the first sip I took, and I got drunk off Jack Daniels the first time I ever drank it, and um, um, I never looked back. And so, um, you know, it, at uh, 13, you can't really go anywhere, um, so you just kind of do what you can. And so it was every weekend thing that I could find, and uh, I did it. Um, it's funny you, you say that because it – the first time I ever drank was alcoholically. <clears throat> I've always yeah, drank. Me too. I, I, I can't ever think of a time I didn't drink alcoholically. Uh, yeah, I did once, and I'll get to that. No, it, was, okay. it was actually the, the last time I drank <laughs> one was time. one beer, and that was it. That was the only was time I ever had one beer. There was that one time, yeah, that last time. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, uh, I didn't mean to no, 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 no. You're good. You're good. Absolutely good. So, um, we, uh, you know, I, I, I drank, and uh, I was the the kid in school that drank you know, drank to oblivion every time I, I knew I drank differently than my peers every single time. I mean, we, you know, people would funnel beer. Well, I was funneling fifths of Jägermeister. Wow. I mean, that's, you know, go big or go home. Right. Right. And so that was kind of the mindset. And, um, and, um, the summer between my junior and senior year in high school, I tried pot for the first time and, uh, didn't like it. Um, I mean, every time I, I wanted, I was a drinker, but every time I smoked pot, I would throw up. So yeah, wasn't going to do that. Um, I had strong enough will to, to continue <laughs> on the drink <laughs> and not do the drug. <laughs> um, and then uh, the summer after I graduated high school, I was introduced to crystal meth. And um, I did a lot of that. Uh, I went to college at the University of Alabama, and when I got there, uh, got into cocaine, and um, that was, yeah, I went from, you know, I got down really low in weight, um, and um, I was still drinking heavily. Very much so. That, that, was that always there? Was oh, drinking, yeah. Yeah, the drinking never there. left. The right. drinking yeah. never left. Uh, and, and in fact, you know, that the it, I would do drugs, 
but 90% of the time it was precipitated by drinking. Mm -hmm. You know, you get drunk. Oh, I want to stay up later and drink more. So let's go do some Coke. I mean, (laughs) was the cocaine was, I mean, was it too for the high, which I I know there was probably a time of that, but what did you justify it with? Well, I need to do better on my schoolwork. Will it keep me up doing that? I've heard some of those stories. Uh, No, (laughs) no, no, there was no like, Oh, I need Adderall so I can study all night. No, Absolutely not. No, no, no. Uh, you know, um, it is what it is, I guess. Right. So say what you will for the education of the university. of Alabama. <laughs> but, um, so, uh, I don't normally tell this story, but, um, I was, I was so drunk, uh, one night I was at a party and, um, there had been cocaine at this particular location before, and I saw this kind of powdery substance on the the, the kitchen bar, and um, I just, mm-hmm. yeah, it wasn't coke. Mm. It, was, um, it was laundry detergent that had um, no. seeped through the box, like, you know, the big Tide box. So uh, unbeknownst to me, I may have accidentally started the Tide Pod uh, <laughs> deal. Um Man, so That's sorry so... to the generation that was to come. It was not on purpose. <laughs> I assure you. <laughs> That's so good. But uh, yeah, so um, you know, I I quit doing. Uh, I actually was able to quit doing most of the drugs. Um, still would take you know pills every once in a while, opioids. Um, but I was able to graduate um, college and went on to grad school, and so the drinking got got was really, really heavy. At one point in college, um, a doctor told me that my liver looked like uh, that of an alcoholic who, who had been drinking alcoholically for 20 years. And I think I was 20 at the time. So that was really scary. So, <laughs> so up until then, had anybody, like any of your friends or family members, been like, hey? No, I was really good at hiding it. Ah. Uh, from my family members, anyway. Yeah. From my friends... I, that's a really good question. I mean, they were doing the same things I was, uh, but but yeah, I didn't have wholesome friends. So there wasn't any consequences <laughs> so far. No, there wasn't. There, I had no car wrecks. I had no. Uh, I don't know how I didn't have a car wreck. I had no, um, um, you know, injuries. Or, yeah, yeah, I had no arrests. Had nothing like that. Um, nothing at all. And I was passing my classes, so there wasn't that. That, you know, my dad wasn't concerned from a grade perspective. And, and you know, like I say, I, I hit it really well. Um, so, you know, went, went to went to grad school. I quit doing the cocaine. So when I was doing the cocaine, I was down to 165 pounds. When I, by the time I got out of grad school, I, and, and kind of later on in life, when it was just drinking, I got up to 265 pounds. So, you know, it was a whole big swing on on weight and health and um, that's a middle schooler right there yeah <laughs> right <laughs> so um i still kind of wish i was at 160 pounds, but you know neither here nor there but so uh i like every good alcoholic decides to do get married um and uh you know i i married a uh, my high school sweetheart and um you know that was not a healthy relationship uh, I, I was not fit to be a husband, you know, there were problems there, but, um, you know, I'm only, 
uh, talking about my story. And so I, um, I was not fit to be a husband, hmm. but we stayed together for seven years of, of marriage. And, um, I got sober actually kind of on accident. So I, uh, used to hunt and, um, I thought it would be a great idea to get out in the middle of Talladega National Forest and swig down a six-pack and hop on a four-wheeler. Hmm. And, uh, you know, hey, why not, right? Um, so I ended up going down a, an embankment and uh, flipped the four-wheeler, and my head hit a tree, my shoulder hit. It kind of like there were two trees side by mm-hmm. side, and the way my head hit, it hit one, and then my right shoulder kind of hit the other one. And the fuller landed on top of me and bounced off on my back. So I flipped going downhill. And I was knocked unconscious, had a broken wrist, um, had a, I still have a torn, uh, partially torn labrum in my shoulder. And, um, yeah, head injury. Technically a head injury. I guess it was a, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I got knocked out. So. Yeah. <laughs> Had a concussion. Legitimately. Yeah, legitimately. No, yeah, yeah. It was, it was no, no, no. It was, yeah. it was, I actually remember being unconscious, which was really strange because mm. I don't remember the blackouts, but mm. whatever. Um, woke up, the guy got me, the guy I was with got me to the St. Vincent's and it was really funny. So um, it was three days before my fourth wedding anniversary. And so my wife meets me in the ER and she's well, happy an anniversary to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that did not go over well. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I still couldn't quit drinking hmm. uh, because uh, they gave me nice little pills for the pain. Right. And, um, you know, it, it was a new pill out at the time called Nucenta. And, man, I would crush it up and drop it in a double fashion, three fingers of scotch and sleep for 18 hours a day. I loved wow. it. I loved it. It was absolutely wonderful. Um. And then I went to a fish show in Alpharetta, June 14th, 2011. Yeah, a back-to-back night. And um, I don't know what happened. I don't have a clue what happened. We were walking in. When you say uh, fish, you mean the band? I mean the band fish. Yeah. Okay, now yeah. we're talking like the like, Bassmaster no, Classic. No, 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 no. no. I mean, I, and I'm yeah. not Country Joe and the Fish, yeah. but, but fish. <laughs> country uh, Joe and the Fish. <laughs> yeah, not, not Country Joe. But um, so, yeah, we're walking in, and a guy had a beer, and I said, hey, can I have a beer? And he gives me a Miller High Life in a can, and I drank it, and I don't know what happened. I, I, I truly believe, you know, in 12-step programs, we talk about it during the steps experiencing a psychic change. But at that moment in my life, I had experienced a psychic change. And I looked at the people I, w- I was with and I said, I'm done. Hmm. I'm done. That was Miller High Life in a can was the last beer I ever drank. And um, I went and had two nights at a fish show. Never even had the urge to drink. Now, who gets sober at a fish show? Yeah, wow. This is a first. I, mean, I would that, say I, that. Well, yeah, I mean. That's... I'm waiting to hear something else come the kicker here. No, there's no. Well, I, yeah, I relapsed 15 <laughs> months later, but, you know, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, 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 it was, yeah, I got sober at a fish show. And I had, uh, uh, you know, music. I'm, I'm big on music. And um, I, I had a legit spiritual experience listening to the hmm. music that night hmm. and, and the night after. And uh, so I came back uh, on that Sunday and went to my first AA meeting, um, you know, uh, that Sunday night. And um, you still go to fish shows? 
I still, yeah, I've been to fish shows sober. Yeah. There's a whole, like, did you know that there's community. a whole sober community that go to fish shows? Yes. Um, and they have, they, they do the serenity prayer in between sets. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a It's thing. a really cool thing. Yeah. I've been to all sorts of shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can go to any, I can, you know, if I'm spiritually fit, I can go wherever I want to. Right. That's right. I've literally been to one concert in my life. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Was yeah. it Country Joe and the Fish? It probably was. Uh, <laughs> actually, it was Nickelback. Is what no. I went to. <laughs> wow. And you I have not been. Into a show. No, I, I don't claim it. I went to some people from recovery, um, but it, it was it was it was cool. That to makes go, it worse, doesn't it? I guess. I, don't, <laughs> yeah. I, just, I never like being around people. I just was it at Club La Vila or something? No, it was somewhere in Huntsville. <laughs> oh man, I remember that. Okay, place. back to your story. Yeah. <laughs> we digress. Um, so yeah, I started working uh, the twelve steps and. Um, you know, man, it was, it was, well, I say I started working. I, I carried the title of working the 12 steps, but I didn't do anything. I, I went to, you know, some recovery groups uh, here and there sporadically, like once every week or three or five. But because I was in recovery, uh, that's all I did, you know, and I didn't understand why my, marriage was not fixed mm-hmm. <laughs> and i started to look at her and say look you don't understand i am in rec- i have recovered <laughs> uh, yeah. i tried and, a few weeks of the osmosis stuff just thinking it would sink in if i yeah if I, I tried 15 months yeah. and um and i fell you know yeah. after 15 months i um i got into some pills and um you know that was all she wrote thankfully uh that did two things one it was incredibly short-lived um, and, and two, it scared me to death because I knew how close I would have been to going down that road. You know, I told you I never gotten arrested. That doesn't mean that I was close. I mean, I, I was really close. I mean, yeah. I, I actually talked my way out of a DUI one time. Wow. Uh, so I was, I was really close yeah. several times. So, um, you know, I, I fell and, um, then I, I, I was terrified and what it caused me to do was to say, all right, this is serious. This is life or death. What are you going to do? And that was, you know, kind of God smacking me around and saying, look, get it together. I'm giving you another chance. So, um, I got back in, I started back at square one. Let's say start back at square one. (laughs) I didn't really get past square one. (laughs) We started at square one and, um, you know, I started, started working the steps. I started, um, you know, reading the literature, started um you know conversing with other people i'm an extrovert but i'm an extrovert who tends to isolate Mm -hmm. um so you know i did but you know fast forward a little bit you know that the damage that i had done in my marriage and even before i got married to to that same woman uh was was too much to be repaired and we ended up getting divorced in uh 2015 and that was one of the hardest decisions that that I made. Um, but I will tell you, and, and I'm I'm fairly confident that she will tell you that that I know I'm better off, and I know she is better off, and I believe that she will tell you the same thing. And you stayed um, sober through it. And I stayed sober through it. Yes, yes, uh, I absolutely did. But boy, was that hard. Yeah. Because you know I was now living on my own. I bought a condo. 
And so, you know, it's like I'm an expert who likes to isolate. So what do I do? I get home on Friday night, not move till Sunday night. Hmm. You know, so that was really hard at times. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm, I don't, I'm not sick. I don't have the coronavirus, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I um, yeah. So I, I like to isolate and um, I also suffer from depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a mood disorder um, and, you know, so if those things are left unchecked, oh uh, yeah, that, that can be serious problems. So, um, fast forward, well, not fast forward, but you know, to c- kind of continue on, um, uh, it's a daily deal. You know, you you have to do this stuff every single day, and whether it's talking with another person in recovery, whether it's um, going to um, do things like this, which this is really out of my norm. I've never done a podcast, never been interviewed like this. So, uh, this is really, really out of my comfort zone. Um, but sometimes you just have to do things out of your comfort mm-hmm. zone. Um, you know, I, I've, I've spoken at, uh, different types of, of meetings, things, uh, fellowships that I'm not, uh, an official card carrying member of, but you can still, uh, carry the message of hope. Sure. And so that's what I um, I try to do. So for the last, uh, so my, my new slash current sobriety date is uh, September the 8th, 2012. And um, very active uh, in my recovery community, uh, especially right now as, as, you know, things are kind of going on the way they are, you know, trying to arrange places to meet, places to go making sure we kind of have a tree to take care of each other. Uh, you know, I, I do a lot of stuff with the end heroin walks where I met you guys. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, my, why well, I did get remarried, uh, in 2019 last year. So I'm actually coming up on a year next month, oh, wow. uh, April 27th. That date's right. She'll kill me if it's not. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. I got it on we my. Can edit I got that it. Out I got it. No, no, no. It's fine because I want to. <laughs> look, I got it on my ring, so I wouldn't forget it. I guarantee you, my wife is listening to us right now, going, "I bet he can't get it right." Okay, I, I never well, get it right. To the to the wife, uh, Kalo, yeah. you can do imprints on rings with the uh, anniversary date. So That's there genius. you go. <laughs> That's what I need to do. I but know yeah. mine though. December sixteenth, two thousand sixteen. 16, 16. I think mine's See? October. Yeah, I did. I'm going to get it wrong. September the, the <laughs> 3rd, the se- September the 2nd. She's will, laughing right now knowing. I'm sure she is. Right. And and I will send you the website so you can get, look, I even got her initial, <laughs> I even got her first initial in there so I wouldn't forget it. So you won't forget who you're married to? <laughs> I'm horrible with it. Well, you, you mentioned that you work through the steps with your sponsor. Yeah. Um, I, know that, uh, I, I continue to work the steps with my sponsor. Right. Yeah. And it's not something you just did and it was over with. No, see, uh, that's what I thought the first time. Right. We get this checked off the box. and We didn't really work them the first time, did you? Well, that's true. I mean, you, you did look at them. <laughs> I looked at them. That's that what was, I considered that working was, them for a well, while. Yeah, exactly, right? You know, I knew um, what they were. Like, I could comprehend them, but I never like if did I, if them. Like, if I saw them and had the numbers, I could put them in order. <laughs> I needed a word bank for the steps. <laughs> yeah. So what did it look like? Did you get any kind of, um, I hear different people with different stories and like some people talk about the fifth step. It was the most freeing experience they ever experienced. Mine was not that. Um, but was there any particular steps that you worked through and was like, Oh wow, that was pretty cool. Or maybe it was just something your sponsor 
himself said to you that was like, oh, that clicked. Then light bulb moments, I guess, is what I'm talking oh, about. Well, maybe if you ask him, I still haven't had a light bulb moment. <laughs> <laughs> the light's still dim. The light's still dim. But, um, you know, he, he continues to tell me that some are sicker than others, and I'm starting to think he's talking about me. But, um, you know, really, I, I, would, I would say that I've had some sort of uh, psychic change or spiritual awakening at each completion, I say completion uh, at that time, completion of a step, um, you know, the every day is a first step day, because if I don't do the first step every single day, then I will fail. I will relapse. I've heard that's the one step you got to take 100%. That's, that's the one mm-hmm. step you got to take 100%. You forget that when you you think that that, yeah. that old Miller lies. And, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the second part. You know, it's the second part of the first step, the unmanageability part. Mm-hmm. Because, when, you know, I, I, I drank for 15 years, and that was from age 13 to, to 28. So my norm was was completely shifted from what, the societal norm is. So I did not know, I I really still don't know what normal is, but I didn't know what normal was. So, so what is unmanageable? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, that, that was really difficult for me to get. Mm. Well, I've heard you say a lot about sponsors on mic and, and off mic before we even get started. Uh, For our listeners that are listening to your story tonight or today, um, do you think you could have done this without a sponsor? Oh gosh, no, no. No, I had to have another man walk me through this the way it was walked through for him. And um, now let me let me let me rewind a minute. I do not believe that there's a one size fits all as far as a recovery program, whether it's a twelve step, AANA, uh, Celebrate Recovery, Counseling, MAT. I, there's not a one size fits all for me. I could not be sitting here today without my sponsor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I tried for a long time uh, to kind of work the steps. Personally, when I got to step four was when I realized I don't really know how to do this. Like I can I can wing it and I might be able to get close to this, but I don't really mm-hmm. know what I'm doing. And I kept having some guys in meetings tell me, you need a sponsor, you need a sponsor. Yeah. I'm like, I will get a sponsor. And then that was the deciding factor for me. I, I, I got to get a sponsor. Yeah, so, yeah. so the first – you know, meeting I went to uh, afterwards, they said, so you need to get a sponsor. I said, well, how do I do that? And I said, well, just go up and ask a guy if he'd be your sponsor. And I felt like I was asking somebody <laughs> to like a prom yeah. and yeah. another That's man true. at that. And I was, I was really uncomfortable with this. Yeah. And so the, the person just said, no, I'm serious. Just go up to, did anybody say anything that you liked? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who? Okay. This person. Okay. Go up to them and ask them to be your sponsor. So, He's like running to get in his car and like, hey, hey, flag hey. down. Will you be my sponsor? You know? I was like, I felt so awful. It Let was, me get your number. It was yeah, exactly right. Can I? I'll call you tomorrow. It was, it was, yes, it was horrifying. And to his credit, he said, absolutely, absolutely. Read this and this, and call me at seven a.m. tomorrow. And uh, that's the beauty of what we do. Uh-huh. You know, there's there's no, and I didn't understand that because I've been judged and have judged my entire life. And, uh, you know, in in the, in the recovery, 
there's not that there. Mm-hmm. It's it's love. It's and it's it's. I would not have survived without that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome, man. Thanks for coming on here and, yeah. and, and sharing your story. You know, so many times. Um, People listen to these stories through our podcast, and they don't realize how vulnerable people are to come in and share their stories. You know, the the stories about the things they experienced in childhood or didn't experience in your case, you know, but the stories that they had to live through, Mm. some horrifying. And when we talk about them on air, they seem so common. I mean... Like it is to us because we've shared it and we've experienced, yeah. but to others it's not. You know. Yeah, you know, you, you think you're unique, um, and I guarantee you that there will be people that have had that listen to this that have had similar experiences, and I, I've shared in other places, and people have had similar experiences. But to the individual going into a program or going in and sharing their story, you think this has only happened to me. I'm alone. And that's the other thing that's so beautiful about this is that we're not alone. Mm. Yeah. Not at all. That's it. Well, there's th- there, there, well, there's actually four, but we're going <clears> to <throat> give you three, and I'm going to clarify why here in a minute. But um, <clears throat> there's we ask these questions to all of our, our guests that come in. All right. And um, I did give you these, I believe, didn't I? You did. Okay. So you were not so- totally unprepared, but I will probably still be totally unprepared. Yeah, okay. well, you're, you, you had the opportunity to prepare. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they're not like we're not going to quiz you on them this, and you don't get a pass or fail grade, but we found it that it's important or at least fun for our listeners to hear. Um, I kind of started this from other podcasts that I follow and I really liked um, because I picked up a lot of useful tools for myself through this. So mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, um, I mean, I'm an addict and alcoholic at heart, so this is my selfish motive of getting some information out of Sure. So um, our first question is this. Can you name a book other than the Bible? Everybody likes to go there. Um, but can you name a book other than the Bible, a movie, or a podcast that has changed uh, the way that you look at an area of your life. So do I get bonus points if I say the Soberholic podcast? Of course. Sure. There you go. Yeah. Now, so I mentioned music. Um, huge, huge into music. Uh, music is, is life-changing uh, to me. But there is a country music singer-songwriter out of Nashville named Travis Meadows. And if you haven't heard of him, I would implore you to check him out. Um, we actually went and saw him uh, last Thursday in Decatur. But he uh, he's written a couple of songs that have been picked up by uh, some famous country musicians. I do not listen to a lick of country but Travis Meadows, so I couldn't tell you who they were. Uh, Better Boat is one of them. Uh, I don't know who recorded that. But um, So uh, he has a song uh, called Underdogs. <clears throat> and he himself is in recovery. He's got 10 years. Uh, and yeah. uh in in this song, there's a line that's, you know, the hook is, we are, we are, we are, we are the underdogs. Um, we may fall behind, but we rise, we climb, and we shine like broken stars. Huh. And um, that, that's been a huge, huge influence on me, definitely. Cool. Yeah. All right, number two is if you had a blank billboard to share advice with the world, what phrase would you put on it? Hmm. That's hard to answer. Because I've got like several. So one is shut up and listen. Hmm. Um, Man, most most of the world could just take that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the other one is is don't give up. Mm. Don't ever give up. Cool. Yeah. All right. Um, and seeing how we've been talking about the 12 steps, um, when talking about those 12 steps, what is your favorite step? Mm. 
gosh, all of them are so vital. Um, but you know, I, I think for me, uh, it's the 12th step because I got to give it away in order to keep it. And if I don't do things with, if I'm not in community with people sharing my story and my experience, strength and hope, and also receiving their experience, strength and hope, whether it's working with a sponsee or, uh, you know, my sponsor reminds me constantly that I actually keep him sober more than he keeps me sober. Uh, you know, that constantly working with others, doing, th- doing something like this, um, you know, uh, going to events, uh, the recovery walk uh, mm-hmm. and heroin walk, you know, that's service, that's serving others. You don't have to have the sponsor sponsee deal um, as far as to count as service, but just doing something in community with other people in recovery. Yeah. I tell people all the time, you know, um, I, I get asked sometimes, well, you know, I'm scared to go share my story with somebody yeah. or why, why should I share my story? Because you're carrying the message. You're, yeah. you're giving yeah. hope. Yeah. It was that's, done to that's us. That's why you do it. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, good stuff. And so the last question we normally ask is how can people reach you? But, um, I, I want to say this because, um, I just thought it would be good not to put your phone number on her versus anything else. <laughs> um, that if you want to talk to Jonathan, the best way to get a hold of him would be just to email us and we'll, we'll, we'll send the information. Yeah, absolutely. Him. I'm happy to talk with anybody, but you know, uh, out of the sanity for me and my wife, we'll, yeah. we'll leave that one yeah. alone. But, uh, if you do want to get in touch with me, please email these guys. Be glad happy to, to forward it on to you, man. Absolutely, man. Well, we enjoyed having you on the show today. Thank yeah. you for being vulnerable with us, um, sharing what God's done in your life. Man. Amen. Uh, the, Amen to know, that. The, the, the past has came full circle to where you're sharing that with other yeah. people and giving hope out to others. So yeah. that's good stuff. It was a privilege to be here, guys. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, we appreciate it. And, Jason, that brings us to the end of another one. Yep. I'm Roger. I'm Jason. We're signing out. Thanks for listening to Soberholic with Roger and Jason. If you like the show and want to know more, check out SoberholicPodcast.com. Please remember to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Soberholics.